Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to Nerd Association from the WBNS studios in Columbus, Ohio. I'm your host, Mark Finch. And I'm your other host, Daniel Barnett. Here on Nerd Association, we like to remind you that just because we have cool jobs, it doesn't make us cool. And uh, Mark, today we're going to be talking about something near and dear to my heart, something that we in fact talked about before this was ever, uh, the podcast was ever an idea just around the office. So what do you think about when I say pod racing? Well, besides this, now this is pod racing. <laughs> I think of the scene in The Phantom Menace where they pod race. And I did have a another thing that comes to mind is I had the toy. I had Anakin's. Yeah. With the because uh, I remember those little yellow things. They were they were really easy to like clip off. I don't mm. I don't think it was a Lego, but it was something. And and I had the toy because I remember the yellow things and losing some. And then it wasn't like complete. But I remember having that. It's funny that you mentioned that because not too awful long ago, uh, my mother retired and she's like, hey, I have your old Star Wars stuff from like when you were a kid. Are you interested now that you you know have a place with storage? Do you want that stuff? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I'd love to look at it. <laughs> and two of the toys that were part of that collection were the Anakin pod racer and the Sebulba pod racer yeah. that were like the handheld and you'd pull triggers and they would do different things. I'm mm-hmm. not sure that those are quite the same, but, it's but to bring it, that up. obviously the George Lucas is no stranger to making things for toys. And that's definitely part of the pod oh, racing sure. scene. So episode one came out in 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 10 years old. Yes, I was 10 years old when it was released. While I saw the, the uh, re-releases of the original trilogy in 97 and 98 when they mm-hmm. came out, and that was super exciting as a kid. The The prequel trilogy was kind of the one that I grew up with, and yeah. and you can imagine for a 10-year-old, and I, I'm i not that much older than you, but... I would have been six in 99. So I'm not sure how much Star Wars was part of your... The, the original trilogy being re-released was not anything I mm-hmm. partook in, but I do remember The Phantom Menace, because the thing that struck that stuck out to me and i still remember it all these years later is how long it was in theaters yeah. and like it, i think it went back and it went, i don't know but it was around forever i definitely saw that one in theaters i missed episode two but by the time episode three came out i had gotten to an age where i had my own interest mm-hmm. in it for sure and had watched them and then i saw episode three in theaters gotcha and, and p- part two of that you know we talk about pop culture here obviously star wars there's galaxies worth of stuff that we could talk about but one of the things that was that accompanied the release of the movie was the game star wars episode one racer which was on n64 pc and dreamcast i want to say dreamcast that's a good that's a good one and it was you know a much more flushed out it's it's your typical racing game Mm -hmm. um, but it flushed out a lot more of the the racers that you saw in the movies but also different courses because podcasting has this history in star wars that we want to talk about a little bit today. Today we're going to talk about Star Wars Episode One Racer. Uh, it was just re-released uh, or kind of released as a, you know, a port mm-hmm. for Nintendo Switch and for PS4 and for PC. So you can go back and have all your feels. It actually was supposed to drop in May, and then they were like, ah, we can't quite get it ready. We'll let you know. And then it suddenly dropped yesterday. And this was after you and I had already talked about yeah. recording this episode today. So the timing was good. I actually went back through and completed most of the game last night. Is it a full HD redo? No, it's, it is the original. So it's just a straight port. <laughs> and, and during the racing portions, it doesn't, stick out to you as much that it's that okay. it's not that it's a straight port and that it's the old you yeah, know 64 bit racing graphics. games after a certain point got to be pretty good i mean you sure. can have people still play mario kart 64 and it's 
still a lot of fun. Well, and because the of the, you know the way that the Star Wars universe is, I want to say shaped like blocky graphics for most of these mm-hmm. courses and for the racers kind of works. Um, <laughs> the cutscenes are pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it just was very nostalgic. So anyway, we're going to talk about all things pod racing today, and and like I said, you know, in the lens too of this game being released, but also the conversation that we had in the office, which is the physics of pod racing. Obviously. We work in a sports radio station, mm-hmm. um, and and the topic of, of comparing pod racing to NASCAR and then and to Formula One kind of came up. So I think it's interesting when you look at what the physics of the whole thing is to kind of extrapolate that out. So let's talk a little bit about the in-universe history of pod racing okay. in Star Wars, and then I. How look- much of it existed before Episode One? Was there quite a bit of lore on it, or nothing? Nil, nothing. nothing. Um, and and we are going to talk about some some terms today that. Star Wars fans uh, will know, but that casual fans might not, which is the difference between Legends material and what is canon material. So Legends material are essentially almost all of the books uh, and comics and side films that were released before Disney bought Mm -hmm. the Star Wars from, from George Lucas. And in the 80s and 90s, especially this whole plethora of books that were released by independent authors that would get some sort of permission from George Lucas and then mm-hmm. write a story. So that's Legends material. And because Phantom Menace was released before Disney bought Star Wars, there yeah. is there were things that were written after it that talk about the lore of pod racing mm-hmm. that now are not necessarily considered canon so what yeah. is like official pod so racing were, appeared in any other movie no it hasn't and mm-hmm. so yeah it only appears in episode one it's been touched on some in like the novelization of the phantom menace and a few comics here and there but of the things in the star war universe that have lore there's not a ton about it because it again it was just a small scene in this one movie people loved it but it didn't have as much of an impact so yeah. you know the history of of the the sport in universe is that it started kind of as you might expect with chariot races. So if you think about it, a pod a pod racer mm-hmm. is just a chariot pulled by two giant turbine engines, yeah. like your horses, right? So it, it evolved naturally from that. Uh, eventually, they started using land speeders, like you see Luke, uh, you know, drive and in uh, okay. in a New Hope, but also you know other. That was places. something I was wondering while watching it. I'm like, these this can't be the most aerodynamic version of a vehicle they could create. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's three separate things held together by I don't know if that's a cord or a, a gas line or whatever those are. And I'm just I, when I was watching it, that was one of the. I mean, they're moving fast, obviously, yeah. and you're supposed to think of these things as powerful vehicles, especially with the noises they make. But I was just that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. I was like, this can't be the best way to build a race car. No, and, and and in fact, I think it, it tries to evoke the charioteering some, mm-hmm. but it's also very much like Formula One, mm-hmm. which George Lucas, I don't know if folks know this about George Lucas, he loves cars more than he does science fiction. Like, yeah. his first passion is cars. American Graffiti was his first was well-received that, movie. Yeah. And any time in Star Wars he can refer to muscle cars or racing or a lot of vehicles in Star Wars mm-hmm. pay tribute to vehicles either from... World War II, which was another big inspiration, but also race cars. Yeah. Um, in fact, George Lucas has done some Formula One racing, not competitively, but just yeah. with that kind of car on those kinds of courses. So again, that's kind of the real world cognates. In universe, they even have that, hey, it started with animals and carts. And that makes sense for the uh, the violence of the sport. For sure. Chariot races were, yeah, had that element to them. And in this race, this one race we get to see out of all the movies, it's uh, 
It's pretty violent. Well, sure, and and in fact, it's also inspired by drag racing because okay. a lot of these of these uh, pods are are custom built or are purchased from some sort of other engine and then customized by the driver yeah. or by their crew. And so again, it also has that nod to drag racing where you might take a stock vehicle, mm-hmm. which it's hard to think of a, a pod <laughs> racer being a stock vehicle, and then you know make your own adjustments to it. So anyway, the first pod. Uh, was was built in a hundred years before the Battle of Yavin, which in the Star Wars universe, the Battle of Yavin, the destruction of the Death, Death Star, is the sort of BCE versus CE that we use in our world. Okay. That's kind of their mark. Um, so a hundred years before the Battle of Yavin was the first pod racing. It was almost immediately outlawed by the Republic because it was so dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of went to these outer rim planets like Tatooine, for instance, where okay. the Republic didn't have a whole lot of sway. And they knew about it, but they didn't really enforce it. And in fact, uh, by the time of the prequel trilogy, um, you know, Phantom Menace, and then even in Attack of the Clones in that bar scene with Obi-Wan and Anakin, you can see in the background that one of the sports on the screens is a pod race. So folks in the capital of the the galaxy still knew what was going on. They just really weren't enforcing it. That's interesting because like NASCAR goes back to inventing cars or working on cars to Mm -hmm. be fast enough so you could be like, they were like whiskey runners or whatever. So that, I think there is a lot of that like outlaw history to auto racing in general. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's a very good example. Uh, Again, the drag racing example where it's, it's definitely frowned upon and it's definitely technically illegal. Mm -hmm. Um, As we will discuss a little bit later, there is, there was then a movement that actually stopped it. Okay. We'll get to that. (laughs) Um, so the the race that happens in Phantom Menace mm-hmm. is in 32 BBY, so 32 years before the Battle of Yavin. Okay. Um, and that race is the Boonta Eve Classic. Mm-hmm. And that ha- takes place in Mos Espa, which is the actual big city on Tatooine. Mos Eisley is kind of a backwater place. Okay. Um, Jabba the Hutt and Gardula the Hutt are the ones that sponsor the Boonta Eve Classic. They are carrying on the tradition of another hut named Boonta the Hutt which is why it's named the Bunti Makes sense. And he was the first one that organized these sort of chariot races Mm -hmm. uh, and then later speeder races into something more formal and then built the track. And there's this elaborate winding course that you see in the movie and that you can play in. in Which makes the giant spectator part seem like it would actually be probably pretty boring. Sure, it's only three laps, and they are presumably only three laps. It's the only. It's I think they only get through three yeah. in the in yeah, the yeah. scene, and it's only ever three. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And so they only see them when they take off, and each time they pass yeah, laps. So unless you have a photo finish, it's probably not that much fun. Well, and they have. You'll notice that in the movie, they do a lot of people have handheld screens. There are big okay. display screens. Well, Formula One race is kind of that way. Yeah, you there are people at the starting line, and then some people camp out along the course. Yeah, um, but a lot of Formula One races, correct me if I'm wrong, take place in cities and on streets that they like close off, and it's a real, which is how the pod race courses are in Episode One Racer. Mm-hmm. They're real, real quote unquote locales. <laughs> Not just racetracks. The yeah. Eve Classic is a racetrack that they just kind of rope off <laughs> as a course. So you're right. I mean, it would be if you were sit- sitting only at the starting line, it would be very much that way. But kind of like real world, world racing, people there's, camp out. Yeah, there's out definitely on, some parallels there. That's sure. true. So one little note that I didn't know as like a Star Wars fanatic while doing my research is that the Boonti Eve Classic was kind of on hard times until uh, a man named Higo Damask started contributing money to it. That okay. doesn't mean anything to you or anybody else, probably. <laughs> uh, Higo Damask was the public name of Darth Plagueis, 
Okay. The Wise. Yes. Have you heard the tale of? <laughs> uh, who was the master of Darth Sidious slash Sheev Palpatine slash mm-hmm. Emperor Palpatine. So he actually was the one that started giving money to the Huts to fund this sport. Who knows why? It just might be a little Star Wars nod that people wanted to make, yeah. or it might be that he knew someday it was going to be the proving ground for Darth Vader. Who knows? Possibly. Or he just liked pod racing. Could be. He just wanted to see more of it. Yeah, Higo Damask <laughs> and his his uh, group were part of the intergalactic banking clan, so they had all the money. Okay. Any questions so far? No, I think it, we're it, good. It, Any it, reference to pod racing at Galaxy's Edge? I don't know a ton about what's there so disney parks i don't know exactly although in something that i read in doing research for this the um there is note that like after the new republic band pod racing so after the galactic civil war the events of the original trilogy Mm -hmm. that some pod racing cropped up on planets like in the outer rim and one of them that they mention is the 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 planet that is represented at galaxy's edge okay i can't remember now what it's called i should have written it in my notes but i noticed like oh yeah they're saying that this happens there i'm wondering if you go there if there's a bar where you can sit where they have a video running that's like fake pod or if there'll be some sort of pod racing ride or right attraction at some point so so i can't speak to that exactly but (laughs) but i do think that that there is if not already a connection that there will be one Let's talk about the race. I have here, and I don't. We don't have to go through this exhaustively, but I yeah. have here a race of every participant in the Boonti Eve Classic. <laughs> All right, and a little note about them. The three who stand out are Anakin and Sebulba, right? And then the guy who also can't get his pod started at the beginning. All right, so I I wanted to ask you: Were there characters that kind of stuck out to you? Because I think that there are there are little interesting details for each one of them, yeah, and because all the other ones just seem like fodder for yeah. <laughs> blowing up. <laughs> Although it's Star Wars, so they all have interesting details. So, <laughs> so Sebulba is the comes into the race being the favorite. He's this champion pod racer. Mm-hmm. He's also a renowned cheater. Throughout the race, he bullies people around. Pod racing is a sport with no rules, yeah. right? But even Sebulba is thought of as being someone who what's breaks that, the rules uh, in a sport with no rules. <laughs> what's that old cartoon where they used to race in the wacky races? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like that villain in there. Yeah, with the, with Dick the mustache. Dastardly. There you go. You know it. <laughs> um, here, something that's known about Sebulba is that he hires, he often hires other racers to participate in the same races as him as bodyguards. Okay. Okay. And there's one racer in this race. Uh, named Dud Bolt. Dud Bolt has kind of a duck bill, tooth nose shark fins on the front of his face. <laughs> okay. Um, he is hired. He's a hitman. Mm-hmm. So a lot of bounty hunters and assassins and hitmen are pod racers, yeah, which but, is interesting. Well, their business already kind of plays with their life, so maybe they're not too worried about <laughs> putting yeah, it on the line for a race. For sure. But he's he's hired here as Sebulba's bodyguard, and he is one of the pods that later appears in Attack of the Clones in that little screen on the in the, in the okay. bar. But Sebulba, most, I have a note here, most of the crashes that take place in the race are a result either of Sebulba doing something or mm-hmm. somebody that Sebulba hired doing something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, whether it's throwing tools into other people's engines or he has that flamethrower on the side of his it's it's in a cut scene that he uses it a lot more yeah um but you know he's a big cheater a lot of a lot of paint trading a lot of paint trading an interesting uh note about sebulba is he was originally supposed to be more deadly in the script there were at least two more pod racers that he killed on screen and george was like eh we probably shouldn't show that many alien deaths 
on screen. Like, and we want to be able to sell the right. Sebulba pod racer. Well, no, he survived, but he caused more. He ha- he was more deadly. In no, I just mean two yeah. children. Exactly. <laughs> you can't you make want him to be somehow likable <laughs> enough. There's actually a short story somewhere of Sebulba's memoir where he talks about the fact that he just killed when he raced, and he like as an older man, he re- man, an older Doug, he regretted <laughs> it. But he was like, but. I had an accomplice, and her name was the Galactic Pod Racing Circuit. It's very dramatic. <laughs> I just thought that was very funny. Okay, so, and of course, we know Anakin Skywalker. He's mm-hmm. a nine-year-old. He's the only human at this time. When when they when they're announcing the participants, and they go, "Young Anakin Skywalker, a, a local, local boy," boy. <laughs> and it's like. Shouldn't this be like a bigger deal? Because isn't there like a whole thing before it starts? It's like humans can't pod race. Well, it is a big deal. Yeah, but they're just like, ah, some child. I mean, I think probably most people who are not in the know, like the audience was, thought, oh, this kid's going to burn out in the first lap and like he won't even get his pod started. And in fact, if you recall, that is what happens at first. (laughs) His pod stalls out on the starting line and it doesn't. Which at first I thought was because of what Sebulba did. I th- it's well, it's kind of implied, but then that also comes up later sure. in the race. And I think it's supposed to be both. I think yeah. your, your brain's in the right place. Um, so, uh, you know, Anakin, and then who was the other one you mentioned? Ben Quadraneros. So the guy who uh, who his pod won't start. Mm-hmm. So the story with Ben Quadraneros is that the like in the day before the race, he bet another pod racer that he could enter and survive. <laughs> and he rented the most expensive pod racer he could get. So Ben Quadraneros is wealthy. Okay. And he goes out and he gets the top of the line, newest, shiniest yeah. pod that is that quad engine pod racer mm-hmm. and is meant to be piloted by somebody with more than two arms. Because it's the idea is you're supposed to be able to give different amounts of thrust to the different engines, turn, okay. get super sharp, sharp turning. So this is a guy who has no idea. And in fact, and I, I've watched... So did he so only much. get it just because it was the most expensive yeah. one, and then he has no, he has no he has ability no, to even operate it? No clue. And then I don't remember if it's in a cutscene or I watched that uh, that sequence a lot of it at like half or quarter speed to get the little nuggets that were in there. Yeah. One of the things is that he has the owner's manual out on a like on a, t- a pad yeah. tablet and is like trying to look for how to make <laughs> it start. Before he hits it and all the engines. Yeah. So anyway, that's his his deal. I just thought that was so funny. That Does the, he win the bet? He did. He wins the bet. Yeah, because he, 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 he doesn't, doesn't die. Yeah. So he wins the bet. He doesn't really race, but he was in it. Now he bet, so I'm going to go through for the ones I think are the most interesting. Okay. He bet Bulls Roar. Bulls Roar, his pod racer is green and egg-shaped, and it has like big quadra jets kind of coming out of each pod. Okay. He's a big hairy-looking dude. Uh, and he won the two previous Boone to Eve races. So he's coming in as like, you know, the the Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Of How often is the Boone to Eve race? Every year. Okay. Um, you may have mentioned that. But. He's also a singer professionally, which I just oh. think is funny that they have these backstories. Um, <laughs> the only type of music I know from uh, Star Wars is uh, jizz music, <laughs> which I just, <laughs> yeah. I cannot of believe that, that that's canon, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, let's see. Mahonic is the first crash. He's not that interesting. He's the guy with three eyes and, like, the the sort of animal mouth. So, okay, there's a guy named Clegg Holdfast. Okay. He is a sports journalist mm. who enters the pod race. He's kind of a nod to Hunter S. Thompson. Okay. Um, and 
He drove a pod that is called the Voltec K29. It's described as the Honda Civic of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> uh, it's known as being aggressively average, <laughs> but it's super customizable. Now, Clegg Holdfast is the guy in a cut scene that Sabalba hits with the flame jet, and it okay. causes his his uh, pod to like sputter out and not really crash, but just like kind of yeah. sputter out. Um, side note, George when he was telling the designers about like how to depict the crashes, he was like, it's not about big explosions. Think of it more like a formula one where there's just so much kinetic energy that they just keep rolling and like parts flying off. And yeah. And notice. it's just carnage that they just rip apart which, and there's yeah. things all bent. Which yeah. is super cool. But yeah. anyway, so Clegg hold fast 18 pod racers participate in the Boonti of classic seven finish. Well, six finish in this one. Six. Okay, that was something I wasn't sure of uh, because they really like they show Anakin finishing, right. and I was like, "Does anybody else yeah. finish?" So six people finish. Clegg Holdfast, who is a sports journalist, changes the narrative to say that he finished seventh. <laughs> so he goes back and rewrites uh, rewrites history. Uh, there's a guy named E.B. Indicott, who his name is spelled like Wiley E. Coyote, which I think is funny. <laughs> he started uh, his career as a delivery man. And was just really good at weaving in and out and decided to become a pod racer. All right. Team Topagalis is the the pod racer that's shot down by the Tuscan Raiders okay. on, on the Canyon Dune turn. Yeah. Um, something that was filmed, apparently, but not shown, was that the Tuscans started shooting Jawas that were trying to pick through the wreckage. Like, you know, <laughs> a la the Mandalorian later, yeah. where they just instantly start taking things apart. There are two pod racers. One's named Aldar Bido. He is an assassin and bounty hunter that is often hired to kill other racers in pod races. And there's another racer named Elon Mack, who his father was killed in a pod rat race by Aldarbido. Mm -hmm. And so he got into the Boonti Eve Classic to kill Aldarbido. It's a legal form of murder, essentially, if you sounds, die in one of these races. Yeah, it sounds like this is a this sport is definitely going to have the violence in it. It's inherent to it. It's, yeah. If it exists, it will. But they probably do need a body to regulate who is entering and for what reasons. Well, and, and they had one, but it was run by criminal cartels. Yeah. The huts were the big the big sponsors of these races all over the universe. And I, and for folks who don't know, Jabba the Hut and people of his species or you know slugs of his species are all over the universe and, and run what's known as the Hut Cartel. So okay. they were kind of like a mafia. Yeah. Jabba's just the local crime lord of Tatooine. Mm -hmm. There's a guy named Mars Guo. He it looks kind of like a, if a, a giraffe stood up. His is the huge pod racer that crashes, and he goes, Roar! <laughs> he, Sabalba kills him by mm -hmm. throwing some, or not kills him, but destroys his pod. Kill is a strong word. We'll come back to that. Uh, by throwing a piece into his engine, because he got drunk and hit on one of Sabalba's masseuses the mm. night before the race. How, so, <laughs> I know, right? How dare he? Um, oh, so Odie Mandrell. So, yeah, yeah, Sabalba is not just into this for the racing. He likes the racing and winning, yeah. but he also does this to settle certain grudges. He's certainly a sadist, and and because he, v he views himself as a sure winner, I think he just kind of feels like he's untouchable. Mm. But, yeah, I think there is an, um, an aspect of... Of his ego, like he doesn't get pushed around. One of the reasons you notice that his racer is so much bigger than everybody else. Yeah, I did notice that. He's a bully. He likes mm -hmm. to use the the heft of it to knock people, you know, around and yeah. in fact force them off the course or into, you know, into other things. One one more, Odie Mandrell is also from Tatooine. He's blue and and he's the one with the famed pit droid crew. Yeah. Um, those pit droids later show up in the Mandalorian. Yeah, those are do. the same ones, and uh -huh. Odie Mandrell was from Tatooine, so okay. when he got out of the business. There you go. Okay, so those are the competitors. 
ex- with the exception of Amy Sedaris. That's Amy, who it. I was trying Amy to remember Sedaris. who it was. I knew it was a guest star in that episode. Sorry. In the official movie, only one person dies. Lots of people crash, but only one person dies. It's a racer named. It looks Mark. like a lot of people die. <laughs> yeah, Rats Tyrell. He's the one that goes, when he crashes in <laughs> yeah. the cave. He was the most famous Alenian from the planet Aline. And he was so beloved and people took his death so hard that they established the Rats Tyrell Foundation, which was a, a lobby organization that tried to get pod racing bans enforced. Okay. So the, so his death was the one that prompted them to later, you know, do all the stuff with pod racing. And, there you go. Yeah. So let's talk about the physics of pod racing for a moment. Do you, I, do you have questions? I have one yeah. question that stuck out to me. What makes them hover? Like what? I get the engines propel it, but is it like a Back to the Future Part Two where like McFly hoverboards don't work on water yeah. unless you got power? Like is it always hovering without any fuel or anything like that? That's an excellent segue um, right. because that yeah that's part of what the the deal here. So they are called, known as repulsor lift crafts, okay, uh, which are like hover x whatever you want to you know hover hover speeders hover yeah. bikes hover blah blah blah. So the ex- explanation is that. They have a machine that, like, they have a technology that makes them hover. That's all you get. <laughs> Which, in our world, exists in the sense of, like, um, maglev trains and things like that. Mm. But it has to be on a set area yeah. that where, the, like, you know, the magnets push uh, against each other. This is just a technology that's pure sci-fi. Nothing. And, like, uh, does it always hover Yeah. once if, that's in that? Yeah, if it's on, it's always hovering. Okay. And, and, and there, apparently, racers can adjust how high they hover. Okay. Um... But, yeah, again, kind of just a hand-waved sci-fi thing. Yeah. But what's interesting is that, so I'm pulling from a book called uh, The Physics of Star Wars, The Science Behind a Galaxy Far, Far Away by Patrick Johnson. Patrick Johnson, born in Dayton, grew up in Yellow Springs. All right. Uh, and now teaches physics at Georgetown. The Gem City. So he he posits that, in fact, if you can explain away the hovering, like, these would work. They're just turbine engines, like huge jet engines, essentially. Yeah. That are, you know, propelling them. Once you got them off the ground, they probably would get, if they had the capability of lift, they could, this could happen, mm-hmm. in other words. He does question how you have uh, pilots that sit directly behind the engines because, like, uh, a Boeing 747, for instance, yeah. has the force of a, a hurricane behind its turbines when it's resting. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, these well, these pod racers are moving at speeds comparable to jet airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like, how, you know, how are you sitting in a pod behind the, behind the thing? And, and that the, the exhaust would be uh, boiling temperature at least. Yeah. So, you know, we can hand wave that, right? So. <laughs> yeah, certain things you just have to. You have to hand wave, yeah. right? Um, the other thing. Anakin's is, got those glass, those goggles on. It's fine. <laughs> uh, the other thing that they have to kind of hand wave is that between the two pods, there is that, that, ele- that electric beam, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be an ionized beam that sort of keeps the jet engines from flying apart from one another. As you know, you can see when they fail, bad things happen. Those, um, so it gives you some, you know, instead of just connecting them, it's like, it gives us some elasticity. Sure. So they have some room to move, but they're still connected. So, uh, based on, on, uh, Johnson's calculations, it would take 5 million volts of energy to perform that task. And so if Jar Jar, you know, there's that scene where he like bends down and his tongue gets stuck in it. Yeah. <laughs> the voltage would have stopped his heart and melted his skin. Like <laughs> it wouldn't have just turned. Well, but he's yeah. a super powerful Sith. Well, and, and, so. <laughs> that's, that's true. Now, more physics. 
let's look at Anakin Skywalker's pod. His, so that you talked about this, it's a three lap race. Anakin's time is 15 minutes, 42 seconds. Okay. Now I had to do some math and extrapolate because this is something that like maps of the Boon to Eve course all disagree on. And so I actually just like, okay, this is his average speed. This is his time. And then I started doing that for several of them. Like, what does that work out to be? Okay. So the course, each lap is 75 kilometers, okay. which is 48, 49 miles. Okay. It, they clearly figured all this out in kilometers because it, the math works out much more neatly. Yeah. Which means that the entirety of the race is what 225 kilometers. Anakin does that in 15 minutes and 42 seconds. His average speed is 547 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. That's 947 kilometer or I'm sorry, 947 kilometers or 588 miles per hour. So I compared that to real world races. Yeah. So Denny Hamlin won the Daytona 500 in three hours. 42 minutes, 10 seconds. Okay. His average speed was 141 miles per hour compared to 488, 588 miles per hour. So we're talking well over three times. Yeah. So Anakin could have done the same race that it took Denny Hamlin approaching four hours in 52 minutes, (laughs) (laughs) which I just think is outrageous. And and Anakin's pod travels at the speed of uh, a Boeing 777 you know, a cross continental airplane (laughs) at its top speed. That'll get it done. Yeah. That'll get it done. Which is why that, you know, they, they said that uh, only aliens with really good reflexes could do it because, you know, they didn't count on Anakin's midichlorian count. And I had forgotten. So I used to play the pod racing game with my sister Mm -hmm. who was very kind to play hours of that game with me. (laughs) And I had forgotten how much after playing like Mario Kart and things like that, it's an intense experience. Yeah. You do really, in even in the video game, have to have very quick reflexes to mm-hmm. not just blow up into a million pieces. Yeah. Um, in this game, you can blow up in an, as many times as you want. In There's one later game in the series where if you blew up in a race, you were done, okay. which I think is actually more interesting. But it it is just so much fun. And I loved, like I said, I, I loved the, taking this concept and, and giving us more planets where this was taking place. Yeah. Some of them are like ocean worlds. Some of them are kind of like a Tibetan okay. landscape. There's one that's a, a an asteroid prison. Mm-hmm. So your spectators are prisoners. <laughs> They're watching, you know, these pod races take okay. place. You know, not that not that they're a sponsor that they're paying us, but I, I it was such a huge uh, nostalgia way for me to go back and play this game. But also, if you're into that sort of game, like it's fifteen dollars for Nintendo Switch, and it's a ton of fun. Yeah, uh, great. You know, it's only two play up to two players, but like you couldn't you couldn't race uh, with a screen smaller than that. Like you'd never be able to <laughs> to make the turns and things in time. Do you have closing questions or closing thoughts? I know we were a little bit all over the place. Uh, with this one, but I just thought it was a neat little way to talk about Easter eggs in, you know, the property that has the most Easter eggs of them all. <laughs> I guess my biggest question would be, does Saboba only <laughs> race in that race or does he travel around the circuit? No, he races in lots of races. And in fact, in the Clone Wars cartoon, which mm-hmm. is canon, there is a poster that can be seen of a one-on-one match of him versus Ben Quadraneros, the guy whose four engines went flying. Okay. So... Yeah, there is there is evidence in, in later in the series, you know, the different properties of Star Wars that that pod racing went on really even into into the Galactic Civil War. Yeah. And that it was finally when, you know, people didn't really have the interest in that kind of entertainment anymore because life was just too harsh <laughs> that it more or less kind of petered out and then was outlawed completely by the New Republic. 
so what are our chances of seeing it on screen for Star Wars again? Like, is The Mandalorian too late in the timeline for it, or is there a chance maybe we could see it in there? The Mandalorian isn't... It would be on the tail end of when, like, the very last of the races could be happening. Mm-hmm. As much as as much fun as it would be to see another pod race, I I kind of doubt we'll see another version of yeah. it. It happened in, in Star Wars Legends, which spans... Like as many topics as were conceivable, Every, anybody who liked Star Wars and wrote a book about it, like almost any topic has some sort of flushing out. Yeah. Pod racing has very little. And because of that, I kind of think it probably won't be something we see on screen. The way you're going to be. Yeah, there's not as much to farm from. Basically, there's the there's the main scene that we've talked about. And then there's a little bit of it. Yeah. In like other lore. But like there's not going to be enough for them to to warrant them putting it on screen for people to. Except, like, see, yeah. except as an Easter egg, yeah. not as like a full-fledged thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I talked about this a little bit before going on air. Like, why is that scene important? Well, it it's the only way that, that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and the Queen, who are fleeing Naboo to go to the capital, it's the only way that they're able to get the parts they need to move yeah. on. Um, and and it mean, it's the way that Anakin wins his freedom. Yeah. Now, now, one could argue that it would might have been better if, if he had lost that race because, you know, that's the only reason he became Darth Vader. It would be better for probably the galaxy. Yeah. So that race is important because it, it, it has a lot of high stakes for the, the characters that, yeah. you know, if, if Anakin hadn't won the race, the Queen's ship would have belonged to Watto or, you know, who knows, Qui-Gon might have. Qui-Gon's shifty, by the way. If you go back and rewatch that, <laughs> he's doing lots of shifty wheeling and dealing to yeah. get that done. So it's important to the narrative, but I would have a hard time thinking of how they would would make it narratively important again without just rehashing the same stuff. Yeah, so, or just like the Mandalorian has a meeting with somebody at a pod race or right, something. Exactly. Yeah. And, and of course, there are new properties. Uh, interesting to note, there are new properties that are coming out that are going to be live action. Mm-hmm. One of them is an Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Okay. And and of course, it, then that means it has to be set between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Yeah. So feasibly, we might see a pod race in that Is that series. in lieu of the movie or? Well, there were plans for a Kenobi movie. Yes, they're yeah. doing a Kenobi live action series instead, which is better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So I guess that might be the place we could potentially see a pod race. It's on Tatooine. It's in the right time mm-hmm. frame. You could think of a scenario in which. He could end up at. He could end up at a pod race yeah. or that a young Luke Skywalker could end up watching a pod race and Obi-Wan's there to make sure that he's. You know, nothing unbecoming happens to him. I could see it in that respect. There is a note in in Star Wars Legends about Leia after the Galactic Civil War going to Tatooine once she knows that that Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader is her father, and buying an old like hollow cube of Anakin after he won the Boonta Cup. It's like, you know, just a little Easter egg memory, like someone had this old piece of memorabilia that was of the person she now knows as her father Mm -hmm. as a child. So there's a possibility that... We could see something like that in a Kenobi series. Luke yeah. Skywalker picks up a an a hollow cube and says, "Anakin Skywalker, like that? Who's that?" <laughs> and you know, uh, uh, an although old- he's not great with connecting names, he's like, "How could Ben Kenobi be Obi Wan Kenobi?" <laughs> well, it's a vast galaxy. You know, I, Skywalker might yeah. be a more common name than we realize. Who knows? I can see a scenario in which that might be the way they could bring it in yeah. and have him like start to make that connection, and then. 
you know, this cloaked old man who doesn't reveal himself just comes by and says, don't mind that. You don't need <laughs> Anakin Skywalker was a young, you know, young lad, but he is no relation. And then walk. Yeah, how are they the- going to cover the, you know, the 19 years between Ewan McGregor and uh, Alec Guinness? Yeah. Like, how are they going to find an actor that looks like he's well, right in between those it's two? It's going to be Ewan McGregor. It is going to. OK, yeah. it is him. Which, if you think about it, Ewan McGregor is now 20 years older than yeah. than he was in The Phantom Menace. He's so. probably the right age for doing it, but I still don't know if they're if they're gonna. It's impossible to thread that needle. Alex well, Guinness like looks just way too much older than. And Alec Guinness was a lot older than that role was supposed to be. If you actually look at how old Obi Wan Kenobi is supposed to be, fifty seven. Okay. And he looks super old. Of course, he lives on a desert planet, and yeah. with the stress of being one of the lone survivors of a religious organization, like. <laughs> You could theoretically see how that could age him, but yeah, I mean, I think Ewan McGregor has to be the one. Like, yeah, and 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 they've already said he's going to be. So, and he did a lot of research. We're getting into a different topic. Yes. We should do a show on this. All right. I, but anyway, that's the to answer your question in the longest possible way. That's maybe the only place we would feasibly see a pod race in the future. But who knows? Fingers crossed. All right, everybody. Now this is pod racing. That was pod racing. That was pod racing. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our ramblings. If you have uh, topics, if you want to get in touch with us about upcoming shows, maybe you even want to be one of our nerds. Uh, come on and talk to us about the th- a thing that you're passionate about. You can do that by finding us on Twitter at nerdasoc. That's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. Or you can email us at nerdasoc at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. Yeah.